Switching modes. Babe, are you ready? Yeah? All right. Well, we're going to share the mic. All right, so we're going to go back and forth. You need a stand? A stool? Yep. You got it, buddy? All right. If you want to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll also be in James 4. All right. All right, Hebrews 10 and James 4. So we're going to actually read it first off. I want to read this first, and then we'll actually let's pray. Would you pray with me? Would you do this? Would you put your hand on your heart? And there's, there's a thing I, I like to pray. It's, it's my thing, um, but I ask that you just pray this with me. Father God, I ask you today to give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know you better. Amen. And that's, that's really what we want. Like Knowledge, revelation, the, the walk of Christianity, the, the whole purpose of it is to be in relationship with him. The whole goal of everything we do is boiled down to only Jesus. Like It's just relationship with him. And I think we make life very difficult. We complicate it. Why you got to go and make things so complicated? <laughs> yeah, old school, right? Avril Lavigne, right? Canadian rocker. Anyway... <laughs> like who is that <laughs> i think I, thought, I thought i saw maybe she got saved recently or something pretty cool anyway we make things so complicated and we add all this stuff to us and it's not what god intended for us and so what happens is when we add things that he didn't intend for us is we don't get to do the things he did intend for us you okay i'm gonna come out she's gonna sit but i'm coming out and i'm gonna walk in when we add stuff to our life when we add things that we feel like we have to do to to keep our head above water, when we add these things, it only takes away from our ability to do the things that he really wants us to do. It's like busy work. Don't you hate busy work? Like, oh, I hate just doing it. Like when a teacher would come in and you knew they were just taking the day off and they would hand you a paper and just say, here, do this, this notebook. Like, come on, man, I'm not doing that. I don't like busy work. Like this will take me like 10 seconds. I, don't, I, I hate busy work. But if it has a purpose to it, there's something different. And I love that Matt said we have a purpose. I think somehow, and we're going to speak to this, and, and have a, we're going to have a conversation. All right? Um, I feel like we've lost the plot for some reason, and we've missed the original intent of who we are as believers. Two, two very simple things that we're supposed to be. Sons and daughters. Everyone say sons and daughters. And witnesses. Like, it literally cannot be boiled down to more simple terms than this is our calling. To be a son and to be a witness. See, the, the, the word, we named it Fire Life for a reason. This name has been in my head for years. Like, it's something that I just had in my head and I saw it. Fire Life. Because he's in us for us, but he's on us for others. Would you say that with me? He's in us for us, he's on us for others. Even our little tagline under there says, personal growth global transformation in us for us on us for others that's in the name fire life the life part is for us we are to come alive and become sons and daughters that are healthy in our relationship with god but guess what it doesn't stop there 
We are also called to be the fire. We are fire. I'm just going to sing all day. Sanctus, uh, Switchfoot sings a song, We Are Fire When We Come Alive. Like, I, that's us, dude. We are fire. We're supposed to be fire. He said he makes his ministering angels like fire. We're full of fire. So we can't, we can't have the fire without the life, but we can't camp out at the life and expect to have the fire. <laughs> there is this thing that happens when we realize, whoa, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I carry divine breakthrough. I carry freedom. I carry the, 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 the freedom of the cross in me. I, I've got something to give people. That's the automatic connection. When I realize who I am, oh, I need to give this away. If we don't know we're sons and daughters, then we don't ever think about other people. <laughs> All right. So today, here's a conversation. It's going to be part one and part two. Next week will be part two. Today is about he's in us for us. He's in us for us. In uh, Hebrews 4, verse 16, I know I didn't tell you to go there, but it's just one verse. Hebrews four sixteen. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us approach with confidence so that we may receive what? Mercy. And then what? Find grace. So mercy is we don't get what we deserve. But then grace comes in and says you find mercy. You don't get what you deserve. But then you also get grace. You get what you don't deserve. You get what Jesus paid for. That's grace, the empowering presence of God, so that we can find help when we need it. All right? Let's read all of Hebrews chapter 10. Good? Just tag if you're ready. I know we haven't got to it. We scripted some of this out, so um, I'm not being a mic hog, I promise. Yes, I am. No. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. It says, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are to come. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship him. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? Think about that for a second. So we're talking about the law, how they offered sacrifices over and over again, and it just pushed off the penalty of the sin for another year, and the next year they did it again. This is the law, if it was capable through these sacrifices of relieving the world of its sin and, and the penalty of their sin, then they wouldn't be making sacrifices anymore because they would have got the job done. But for the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would have no longer felt the guilt of their sin. Woo. <laughs> the law causes us to feel guilty. How many know that to be true? When we start living by the law, we feel guilty about everything. Like, man, I, I said that the wrong way. I, I, I had a bad... Everything we do, we get analyzed because we're trying to live by the law. And we, we are guilty of everything because the law shines a light on our weakness. <laughs> Here it goes. If it could have done it, they wouldn't have felt guilty. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of their sin. Because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, 
but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. Jesus said, I'll do it. I'll go. I'll be the sacrifice. And then it goes on. It says, it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Stay with us, all right? Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first thing to establish the second thing. Listen to this. Jesus came to fulfill the law so that it can be set aside so that he can come and establish a new covenant and a new law where our sins are paid for and the guilt that we felt is no longer felt. All right, let's keep going. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ once and for all. It says we have been made holy through his sacrifice once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, (laughs) but when everyone say this priest, yeah, the great high priest, when this priest had offered for all time, how many sacrifices for sin? One sacrifice for what sin? All sin that has already been committed. You mean sin now that I'm a believer and I sin? Or just for lost? So now that I know better, does it still cover all sin from now to the future since I'm a believer? Do we believe that? Selah. You really think about that. But only if I ask for forgiveness, right? That's another sacrifice. (laughs) It was one sacrifice. That's such a good, deep question. We... Here's where legalism comes into the church. We think the gospel is a beautiful message for sinners. It's so beautiful to tell a sinner, he'll forgive you of all of your sins, everything you've done, everything you will ever do that's wrong. He forgave it at the cross. He loves you. Just come into the family. And then they get into the family, and then we're like, it wasn't enough for me. I know better, so my sin is different than my sin before. No, it's all sin. And guess what? Not just sins from the past. Jesus didn't come and just take care of the sins of everyone that died before he came and died in sin. He came and he offered a sacrifice that was so amazingly perfect that it paid for all the past sins of every person on the planet ever born. And then it also paid for every sin of every one of us that hadn't been born yet and all those to follow us in the future. In one sacrifice, he paid for all of it. So let me just say this. I'm not going to get on a soapbox, but we need to stop being so infatuated with sin. Come on. I, I don't want to mess up. I mean, don't, I don't want to mess up. Sons and daughters want to please the Father, but for a different reason. Like, man, I really don't want to hurt God's feelings. But it's not because I think he's going to punish me. It's because I actually love him. Love means something. It costs something. Love is, love is only love if I'm able to really be me and still be connected to him. 
I'm just, it's right here. It's it. We could dig really deep in this. We'll probably do something like that on a Wednesday night where we can ask questions more. But we wanted to talk about this because I feel our struggle at Fire Life for us coming fully alive is we haven't left, let me say this, we never leave the blood of Jesus. We never move past that. We never evolve in our intellect and our wisdom and our religious minds past the cross. But Jesus didn't just stop at the cross. He rose from the dead. He, there's an empty tomb where he used to be, where he isn't anymore. And now he sits at the right hand of God, the majesty. He sits right next to God, ready to make intercession for us. But then he said this, and now because we are with him, where are we seated? Next to him in heavenly places. So we can stop at the cross and, and be infatuated with sin and, and just, just talk about how evil the world is. And it, that's, so it takes nobody with any intelligence to talk about how bad the world is. You can throw a stone and find something wrong with the world. It's so easy. This, what, do, what do sinners do that don't know God? They're going to sin. <laughs> But it's time for us to realize, wait a second, and, and I, we use the term, please bear with me, okay? I, I'm, not I'm not trying to kill sacred cows, but at the same time, I don't want to make room for them, okay? There are some things, if, if it's precious to you, please don't be offended by me. But when we say things like, I'm a sinner saved by grace, our identity is no longer a sinner. We're actually talking about our old man when we do that. We're actually carrying around this dead body with us when we say, well, I'm just a, a dead, wicked sinner, but man, I'm saved by grace. And we're carrying around the death of our old self with us. And what do you think that rotten, dying, dead thing does when we bring it with us? It stinks everything up. It contaminates everything around us. And it's all in a simple belief that says, well, I'm still a sinner. Look, you can sin and not be a sinner He gave us a completely new nature. We don't, if you believe in Jesus and you've asked him to be the Lord of your life, you do not have a sin nature anymore. You haven't lost your ability to sin. But your nature is not to sin. Adam and Eve did not have a sin nature. Did you know that? They sinned without a sin nature in the garden. So we can sin without a sin nature. We can be stupid if we want to. I, I love that. Like, you know, we, we can sin. We just don't enjoy it as much as we used to when we were sinners. Because now we're like, no better. <laughs> but the point of today is, in those moments, what do we do? Do we put on self-righteousness? Do we hide from God? Do we run from Him? Or do we stay and let the truth of His Word pierce our heart? Do we stay? Now, I'm going to finish reading this and then we'll go on. I promise, conversation's coming. Verse 26, chapter 10. Let's skip to this so you can hear me very clearly. If we deliberately keep on sinning <laughs> after we have received the knowledge of the truth, then there is no longer a sacrifice left for our sins. Woo! <laughs> 
but only a fearful expectation of judgment. Why is the church... Twofold reasons here. We, we go back to the law and we build a whole new law, but then we keep sinning knowing better. And that sinning when we know better makes us feel guilty because we are guilty. Yeah. We're supposed to feel guilty when we sin. It's not supposed to feel good. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on testimony. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who tramples on the Son of God? So you want to talk about, okay, well, we're just grace. We're loose on sin. No, 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 no. Not loose on sin. I believe in freedom. You have the freedom to do whatever you want to. If you're dumb and you sin, you're a big boy, you're a big girl. I'm a big boy. I can clean that relationship up with the Lord. The Lord can see the Word of God is a sword. And when I sin, I walk through the end of that sword to stay close to him. His word, his truth cuts me deep when I'm wrong. But that's why it's called relationship. Amen. Amen. Good. Just tag me. Tag me whenever. All right. Let's go to James chapter 1 and then we'll move on. Hey, sweet boy. Hey. Hey. James 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your own desires that battle within you? You want something, you don't get it. You kill, you covet, but you can't even get what you want. When you ask, you don't receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own desires. You adulterous people, don't you know that friend, what does it say? Friendship with what? the world is what toward God hatred enmity toward God if I choose to be like the world here's what's really funny we pick these pet things that say oh they're like the world oh it's I'm not going to go there yet let's keep going Friendship with the world is, in, is a hatred toward God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy to God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason? What's the point? God's not angry. He's jealous for us. Yeah. We even sing it. He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. Wow, that's about right. Oh, he loves fiercely. He's jealous. When I choose to sin knowing better... And I choose to be a friend of the world and I turn my back on him. He's jealous for my love and my affection. He's not jealous because of the things I do or don't do. He's jealous for where I pour my affection. Come on, listen to this. He's not jealous if I choose to do a thing that's on the list that we call sin or we think is sin. He's jealous because we are pouring our affection towards something that's not him. And he's jealous for us. And it says, God opposes the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Go back to Hebrews 10 real quick. Verse 38. But my righteous ones will live by faith. Everyone say faith. faith. And then it says, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those who believe and are saved. You ready? So what's the point? We want to become Fire Life Church. We want everyone here to come alive. You, want to talk? you know, I was just thinking, well, several things, pondering, but I'm... You know, I was thinking back to just conversations that I've had with the Lord and the things that he's always asked of me. You know, it's I honestly was trying to figure out or trying to think of times where he's asked me to stop doing something. And I personally, not that I do everything right. I know I don't, but I really don't have a lot of conversations like that with the Lord. A lot of the things the Lord has asked of me was just be with me. You know, for me just to be with him. Just spend time with me. And it's always concerning other people, like sharing love, giving a word. It's always others. It's be with me, and it really is about others. It's very rarely, I mean, honestly, I don't even know that the Lord was talking to me back right when I came back to him um, to stop smoking. That was something I wanted to stop. I don't even know that the Lord was saying, stop smoking, stop, you know, you need to stop doing this. It was me pleading with him for help to break that addiction for me. It's so rare, yet, I I mean, do y'all, can y'all relate to that? Do you feel like you have a lot of, like, does the Lord come to you and say, you need to stop doing this, doing this? Like, that doesn't happen to me. Does that happen to y'all? It's really about just spend time with me. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. If he did come and say, hey, stop doing something. Where do I get the power to stop? Like, I can do this on my own. Oh, So usually the voice that says, stop this thing or that thing and you need to clean up, is usually the enemy trying to get us off of topic and to focus on the behavioral thing instead of, I don't love him right, right now. Now, if I will fix the love, all the other stuff will take care of itself. It's a kingdom principle. Seek first the kingdom of God and what? What? His what? (laughs) Righteousness. And then what? Everything else is added. How does that happen? Seeking him. So when, when we love him, like we sing, turn your eyes on Jesus. And what will happen? The things of earth will. We know this. We know it. It's a true principle. When I really am connected and turned toward him properly, man, all those things that behaviorally look ugly and look like sin and people can see and it's ugly, man, he takes care of that in our love. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's like, that's it. <sighs> so can you burn for him? Like really burn for him. I mean, I'm serious. Like I feel like what we've been pastoring almost 10 years now, and I've never fully had a church that burnt for him the way I saw it in my mind. Never. We'd have times of it. We'd have seasons. We'd have people. and Like she said, individual freedom. Individual, but, but corporate freedom, corporate breakthrough, corporate fire. It's always like we're trying to fight for it. 
And I felt like it was really important when we start with, he's in us for us. And if we will all become great lovers of God, like what did, <laughs> what did Jesus say? This is how they will know you're my disciples. You obey all the commandments. <laughs> you go to church every Sunday and pay your tithes and, and you witness and you do. He didn't say any of that. How did he say they will know that you're my disciples? Two things he said. By your love for each other and you obey me. <laughs> Very simple. And I, I don't know how else to turn a whole church, a whole group of people into fire life unless everyone takes an individual responsibility to become fire life. I feel like for me to try to get you to be fire life is manipulative. That's how I think. That's how I feel. I'm very different than a lot of leaders. I'm not a tell you what to do kind of a leader. I'm just not. If I need to, I will. But I'm, I'm like, there's pretty smart people I'm around. Like they, they're big boys and girls. They're adults. They, they don't need me to show them the way. So I take a, a little bit more of a hands-off approach. And sometimes that's not a good thing. But in this case, I think it would be disobedience for me to grab you by the hair and say, you're going to be fire life. You have to take personal responsibility. It's on you. I'm not responsible for how many people go to the church here. We're all responsible. Individually. Anything? Next week's going to be really fun. Because it's about the... He's honest for others. <laughs> Today is the more heart issue of me, 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 me. How is my relationship with the Lord? I love one of the great revivalists said, you want revival? Just set yourself on fire and everyone around will come watch you burn. <laughs> you do it. When I was a youth group, I remember Curtis Tucker told us to draw a circle and get in the middle and pray and have revival. And then God will bring revival to the whole church. The key is the circle. The prayer closet. Dust the prayer closet off. But n not without the heart connection. I mean, if you have to do it until you feel it, go ahead. Pray until something happens, right? Push. <laughs> Prates until something happens. Fine. But the point of today of being fire life is I have to personally burn for him by my choice. And I have to personally add fuel to the fire. Like it's God's responsibility to keep fire on the altar. Did you do you believe that? God brings the fire to the sacrifice on the altar. How many believe that to be true? Like when Elijah is calling fire from heaven, what, what did he prepare? Elijah prepared the altar and put the fuel there, but God brought the fire. It's still that way. God will fall upon the sacrifices that we prepare for him. Man, this is... So we were in the car Friday night, and this is how this all started. We started having a conversation. I'm just going to make her join in on this. 
And um, we were just talking, and I was just sharing my heart. We were on the way back from a uh, family, uh, family thing and in the car, and I was just thinking, I can't even think and grasp all the thoughts that I think right now that the Lord's telling me. Like, I can't even, I can't even individually grab them. Has anyone ever been there before with anything? Like, you have so many things you know are true, and you can see them, but you can't, like, focus on, well, that one. Like, there's so, like, one thing God has spoken, but a million things I've heard. And I feel like over the last few months and, and, and maybe a couple years, on the subject of grace, the Lord is just pouring this stuff into me, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with all of this. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand, and I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> and so I was telling Mandy, Y'all remember recently I said that I don't like the phrase that says sin separates us from God. I don't like it because I don't think that it's true. I don't think that it's biblical. Because if sin separated God and us, then no one could ever find God. Like It would be impossible. And <laughs> my conviction is when I, when I try to push him away, he's relentless and comes closer. He comes closer. So we're having this conversation. And, uh, can I go with it? I'll just read the script then. We say the right words. We say God doesn't separate himself from us. And then we say we separate ourselves from him as if we're that powerful. Oh, God, I just don't like you. I'm going to push you away. I love it when I try to kiss Levi, and he doesn't want me to. I'm like, all right, buddy, I'm coming in more. <laughs> you don't want this right now. So we, we like to say, well, God doesn't separate himself from us. No, he doesn't do that. He, he, he doesn't. We separate ourselves from God. But our practice is that he's so disgusted with us that his love is turned on or off. And the only way we can feel his love and get back to it is if we clean up our ugliness really quick and then come down prepared to see him. Like, oh, be, hold on, I got to go wash up. And I'm going to go upstairs and add some makeup. And I'm going to clean up. And then I will come down and I will present myself to the Lord and he will be like, all right, good. And that's not it at all. And so we were just having this discussion. And Mandy said, what's the purpose of the statement? That God doesn't separate himself from us. And so this is it. We believe that punishment is, an, is, is supposed to come in when we sin. We believe that there's something, something is supposed to happen to us because we sin. And that's, that's complete fear. And that's not love. If perfect love drives out all fear. Who would say that with me? Perfect love, perfect love. drives out all fear. Why? And it goes on to say, because fear is connected to punishment. And anyone who's fearful is not perfected in their love. So if perfect love drives out fear, then what does fear do? Drives out love. So we have this statement that we say in church. And again, Mandy made a really good point. We're great with this message for sinners. 
But we get really nervous when we preach this message to believers because we're not supposed to do this stuff anymore. But how many had a perfect week? Anybody? No, I didn't think so. So what's the point? It's not to try harder. It's to love him more. It's to fall absolutely in love with him. Yeah, I was just thinking, even the world, um, I don't know if we've conditioned them to think this way or what it is, but apparently, you know, you hear people say all the time that there's hypocrites in church. Like, oh, you know, I went to church and someone hurt me, and so I'm not going back to church or whatever, as if we're supposed to, as if church is a body of believers who are perfect. And I don't know what this, how this thinking has crept, into the world even I, I don't know if it came from us or what but you know always like to think of it really is like a hospital I mean you know there there are there are people that are coming that don't know the Lord but there's also us who you know we're not all healthy and whole um we we have mess we have stuff that the Lord is is just through his love and this loving kindness working things out and um Yeah. I think it's really important that we begin to even just view view this place differently. View, you know, church differently. We are the church, but you know, not to even expect with from one another. I mean, perfection because that's I mean, yes, the Lord says be holy as I am holy. And so I think that's where the conversation comes in is because obviously you don't look like the world. The The word says you're not supposed to look like the world. Love looks like something, right? So our lives are supposed to look different. Um, but at the same time, we don't throw out grace and mercy or, you know, for one another. You don't throw that out. We don't arrive to this place of perfection. And we don't need to, we're not called to judge one another. And, um, and so I... I know my heart is that we would encourage one another in doing good deeds and loving him and and loving one another, us growing in that. If we could just love God and love one another, you know, I think there'd be revival. I mean, if we could just grow in that, um, yeah. Good. Everybody good? All right. It takes great love, humility, and trust to keep loving and being loved on by someone when we fail. Relationships, marriages, father-son, mother-daughter. It takes great humility. It takes great love. It takes great trust to know that I just hurt that person that I love, but I'm going to let them tell me it hurt them, and I'm going to listen to them because God will talk to us and say, you really hurt me. Who's ever had God say something like that to you? And, and it's not the thing that we do that hurts him. It's putting our love and our affection for another thing above our love for him. Have no other gods before me. If we get him in his place, we will burn for him. It will take care of all the stuff we worry about and the mess that we look at. And there's something contagious about people that are in love with God. 
that song, Only Jesus, today, oh, I felt y'all. That, that was when oh, y'all liked that song. I could tell because there was something. Let my heart be only for you, Jesus. Only Jesus. I, man, I was like, that is our prayer. We are going to be fire life. Absolutely. We're all going to burn for him. And when we're around people that burn, it's so much more fun. We're not talking about our pain, physical or emotional. We don't have negative testimonies every time we come together. Well, the devil beat me up all week, but praise Jesus, I'm here today. That all goes away. That just drains the life out of an atmosphere. But life, if I'm burning and I get to tell someone, man, I am in love with Jesus. Man, I love him more today than I did yesterday. I didn't even know that was possible. Dude, me too. Good, let's burn together. Let's burn together. Let's add our let's add our love together and see what happens. I'm telling you, this is the future of this house. This is our name for a reason. So, you know, I don't. This is not against Family Worship Center. No one. Um, I can, I can honestly say, years back no one told me that I couldn't come to them for help, but I, Jared and I were together at the time that I was smoking. He was the youth pastor. Just so you guys know, take you back and y'all can remember he was dating someone who was smoking. (laughs) Just saying not, you know, that's not ideal. And he's the youth pastor. Aren't you glad you entrusted your kids with it? No, I'm joking. (laughs) I'm just playing, but I lied to him about it because I was afraid of being judged afraid now where did I learn that like if there's someone in here that's struggling with pornography do we come to one another confess our sins do we do this we don't do this why do we not do this why are we so afraid and I think like once we if we can actually do what what the Lord has encouraged us to do, if we can, I feel like there will really be revival and breakthrough. That's how we begin to look differently. That's how we begin to love each other. I think even greater is when we actually share these things, confess, and we get help. But we don't do that in the church. And I think that's the, that's our heart. I, I want to have a place, and I, I know this is the Lord's heart. I know he wants to have a place where we can come together, we can come to one another, and we can get help, yeah. right? We can pray, and we can see breakthrough. We can fast. We can do whatever together and overcome whatever struggles that we may be facing. And so how do we do that? What keeps us from, if we're struggling, if we're struggling even with sin, what keeps us from hiding? Or what causes us to hide? What? Judgment, so we're afraid we're going to be judged. Shame and guilt, because we're afraid we're going to be judged. Do we feel like, do you feel like, I just want to say, do you feel like you love if you struggle with pornography or if you struggle with, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, I'm just going to keep using an example. Um, Do you feel like that you can love the Lord also? Are we afraid that maybe, like, do you believe that you could love the Lord and still struggle with something like that? Or choose, I'm going to say, choose a sin like that? Yes. So then what are we afraid of? Rejection. Afraid of being rejected? And judged. Rejected and judged. 
But, okay, so raise your hand if you're without sin. Whatever. The pastor's sign, of course. <laughs> oh, so my husband wants to jump in. Now raise your hand if when God looks at you, he sees someone who is without sin. <laughs> Isn't it more important what God thinks than what we think? And... If there is a sin that we have in our life that is killing us, remember, God hates sin because it hurts us. It destroys us. It kills us slowly. So he hates it because it's hurting his sons and daughters. So if we have a sin that is killing us from the inside out and it has shame attached to it, if it's pornography, you should feel a little bit of shame because men won't change unless there's pain attached to it. No pain, no gain. That's a man's statement. Right, men? And men won't really change unless the pain is enough to say, I have to change. So if you're struggling with something, it's okay. And us men, we want, we want to feel the right amount of embarrassment for that thing. Godly sorrow for that thing. Pain. Because without it, we won't change. Godly sorrow brings repentance and i just want to say when you're dealing with addiction the the addict never feels like the lord is big enough great enough powerful enough to set them free i think that's why it's really important that there is that we have one another because that's what addiction does it convinces you that you can't get out or that there's no help or you know which really is just saying that that is greater than the lord and and we know it's not you know but when you're in that you've bought into all kinds of lies. And so I think that's why it's even more important. I think that's why the word tells us to confess our sins to one another. It's like, so somebody in their right mind could speak truth to us. Right. And just like get us to wake up and know that there there's hope. So I just think it's really important. You know, I was thinking if we could read the word every day, but then also don't think about others when we read it. Like this is for us. Like this is for me. This is for me. My Bible is for me. Your Bible is for you, right? And I, I just, yeah. Closing. We think that when we separate ourselves, it's because we're independent. Have you ever said that? I'm just independent. I'm just a little bit of a rebel. I'm a wolf. I'm something, right? We're not independent. We're actually separated. We're separated ourselves or split up into so many different parts. It means I give a little bit of myself here, I give a little bit of myself there, a little bit of myself here, a little bit of myself, but no one ever really gets all of me. And that's the thing that Jesus wants. So when I, when I do things that are sin, I am literally breaking myself into pieces and giving control and authority to these little things when Jesus is saying, I, I want all of you. Why are you giving your affection to that thing? And no one ever really gets to fully know you because you only let them see a little bit, but everyone gets the same little bit, and you're an awesome, fun person because they only see the little bit. But Jesus says, I want you to be whole. I want to love the whole thing. Stop separating yourself off to these different things. And so I just feel like it's very important that we end the service where we make a commitment to God. 
I want you to stand like old school. We're making an altar. If you're here and you say, I want to burn for Jesus, I've got to take care of He's in me for me. I want to get that straight, and I want to be fire life. I want you to come to the front, all right? You can kneel around the front. You can stand, and we're just going to close out with, with prayer.